Hello, I hope you're doing well and having a great week. If we haven't met yet or are tuning in for the first time, well, my name is Anna Zigeri and my mission for this podcast is to share a basic story to give you a little extra inspiration, a little extra encouragement or an extra laugh. Today, I am sharing someone else's story and it's far from basic. I know that this week we are so busy, right? Preparing our homes, our food, and our hearts to celebrate Christmas. So I wanted to give you a little extra this week. I had the honor and privilege to have Pastor Seth Harris from Oasis Church in Arizona join me last week in my YouTube channel. The chat was so much fun, and it is totally worth sharing. So if you missed the interview over there, well, here it is for you. Enjoy. care that I have a bad hair day. I am very thankful for hats. <laughs> it's really, really humid here in Houston, but if you're joining us in right now, please let StreamYard use your name so I can see you in the chat. It's a little link above or below if you're on YouTube and just allowed us to see your name. You're in for a great guest, a great conversation. It's gonna go quick, so open your ears, your eyes, and your heart for the words that uh, our guest is gonna share today. It's going to be amazing. So I'm not gonna do a tremendous um, introduction because I want him to tell us who he is and where he's coming from and all of the things. It's just gonna be a really good conversation. So we have Pastor Seth Harris with us today. Yay! Let me pull out my confetti. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I think your hat looks great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> How are you? Oh, man, we're tired. We got two toddlers and a little baby girl on the way. And, and so sleep is it's hit or miss. <laughs> well, we are very yeah. thankful that you make the time to be here with with us. Would you tell us a little bit about yourself or a lot? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm just going to assume there's some of the people here who don't know our background at all. Uh, uh, me and Anna, we used to go to the same church. And so uh, I'll give you a 30-second testimony. When I was a kid, my parents taught me about Jesus. And then their marriage kind of imploded a little bit due to some sin that was in my dad's life. And so I ran from Christ and ran straight to drugs and alcohol. And so throughout high school and most of the first half of my college career, I basically became a professional alcoholic and uh, drank myself out of LSU and then drank myself out of the University of Houston. And so I found myself at the age of 22, sitting on a plastic mattress in a rehab center. Um, I had been homeless for like four days and I ended up there and I was reading the gospel of Matthew. Um, in Matthew chapter seven, it says, narrow is the path that leads to life and few find it. Um, when I read those words, three days sober in that clinic, 
I knew I was on the wrong path. Uh, the Holy Spirit started illuminating my heart. I became sensitive to the word of God. And so the next story is this leper uh, who runs up to Jesus. And he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And I remember it was like the Holy Spirit just whispered in my heart, uh, this is talking about you. Jesus can make you clean. And so I read the whole gospel of Matthew that night. And when they crucified Jesus, I was actually angry for the first time. So I'm like, wait a minute. This, this is a whole, this is a right. That's supposed to be me. And so I gave my life to Christ, uh, November, uh, gosh, November 20th, 2010. And so by God's grace, I've been sober for the last 11 years. And, uh, and he called me to ministry. It was wild. I thought I was going to be a lawyer and, uh, I didn't. I, all of a sudden, I found myself at Fairfield Baptist Church. Yeah. And that story is a story of itself. There's a counselor there who uh, had suggested the rehab clinic to my parents. And I never got to shake that guy's hand. I always intended to. He said, hey, thanks. I'm sober now. I love Jesus. He gave me a new step up on life. And instead, I met a man named Mark Julian, who was the youth pastor at the time at Fairfield Baptist. And he took me in. And uh, I sat with him every morning for three years wow. uh he, yeah he he just invited me he said i will be at this coffee shop every morning and uh and so i'd show up and we'd talk about jesus and he discipled me um they ended up having me come an intern at that church and so i ended up being an intern at fairfield baptist for about three years and then they called me as their middle school pastor for i think i served there for five years as a middle school pastor and then one day I get a call from a, a buddy of mine who had been called as a pastor in Tucson, Arizona. He said, Seth, would you like to come be a worship pastor? I said, uh, I'm not a worship pastor. I'm a youth pastor. <laughs> he said, well, what we really need is someone who can play guitar and who can preach because I need someone to run alongside me in ministry. And so I went to my wife. She was five months pregnant at the time. And I said, hey, I know we, we have this house here in Cyprus, and I know we've got a pretty awesome job here at Fairfield. How would you like to sell everything, move 1,200 miles away from our nearest family members, and go be a part of a church that's in a city that's only 4% reach for the gospel? And uh, she was like, that sounds crazy. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> and, uh, she, and so I said, well, pray about it, and I'll pray about it. Uh, two weeks later, she came back. She said, Seth, this is the this is what Jesus would want us to do. And that was kind of ultimately our decision was we prayed and we prayed. And we said, does God want us to be a part of this big church in a, in a community that has 100 churches? Or do they want us to go and take maybe a position that's not really about us and, and a smaller community, but try and get on the front lines? And uh, it's been an amazing move. And so we moved out here. Michelle was seven months pregnant when we got here. And uh, our first son, uh, Tucker, was born December 21st, 2018. 14 months later, we had a grant. And so uh, we've now got two little boys, and we've got a little girl on the way, and, and we're loving it. So many cool things have happened here. I could go on and on, but it's, uh, it's amazing. It's a good, good time. It's been amazing. And, I mean, you mentioned a couple of things that I even – like, uh, first of all, if uh, – Mark Julians watches this. You need to be next on my channel because you have tons and tons of things to share also. And I think that men has touched so many lives, including ours, you know, like the ministering to our daughter and our son-in-law. And um, you, 
uh, had a big piece of that too. Like we're very grateful, very thankful for you and, and always loving on to um, Ethan the way you do. He speaks so highly of you and, and the ministering that you have done in our family indirectly. So we are very grateful. I'll give a shout out to your son-in-law. He, he's a rock star. A lot of people don't know how much Ethan prays and how much he disciples. He was one of the few students I knew in student ministry who took discipleship really seriously. And so I brought him on as an intern one summer and he was just constantly meeting with students. He just, he got it. Yeah. 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 So we're, we're very, very, very thankful with you, with God that, and he loves my daughter. Like there's no tomorrow. And uh, she's awesome. (laughs) Thank you. So, uh, yes, it's been a journey. Uh, one of the things that I want to also highlight in, in our, in our journey together is that, um, even though I was in the middle of taking my certification for children's ministry and I was learning everything about the ministry, Seth was the one that taught me how to study the Bible. Like I was knowing everything from the curriculums and stuff, but there is always a, a, a part that we have to do as an individual. And uh, when you thought um, about, uh, uh, what is it, um, by the book? Yeah. Um, that, so like, and since then, yes, look at you. Oh, I got copies of these for days, they're awesome. Yes, so I've never seen my Bible the same way again again and i don't listen to jesus um right here anymore he's like over here thanks to you and and all your teaching and and and, you know one of the things that um and i was telling him a little bit ago is that i feel so old so old compared to other people doing the technology and all these things um but when i saw passion and taking Samaria because he will go to college campuses and and stand right there and try to tell everyone that passed by about Jesus. I was like, I want to be like Sam. (laughs) So I've learned so much from you, your sermons, um, those times where you were getting up at like four o'clock in the morning and doing Bible study on Acts. Oh my gosh. So if anybody wants to go check out, they still on YouTube, right? Those videos. Yeah, I think they're still, it's just on my real theology page. I want to get back to that. It's uh, I have this bad habit of going through spurts and like seasons of doing something really creative and trying to be consistent. Some guys will start a podcast and they'll do it from now until yeah. until they retire and I, well, I get well, guess what you're fixing to have a new baby so you will be able to be up all night doing that <laughs> so yeah we appreciate you let me just check in the comments and say hello to everybody hello samantha thank you for being here we are in for a conversation so we can go on and on and on about talking about our stories but um you know there's a bunch of leaders that hopefully will um be able to connect with us through this channel and i wanted to you know pick your brain a little bit because as i hear a lot of them right now preparing for christmas and you yourself you have an event coming up and um as as 
people that work in the church, we try to put our 100% on these events during Christmas because that's when we get the most people coming to our services. But I am afraid that in some cases we get lost. We get lost with all the admin parts and the decorations and the preparations, and we just kind of get squirrel <laughs> from from staying our eyes on Jesus. So how do you prepare for Christmas as a pastor when you have heard the Christmas story over and over again over your years of ministry? Such a big question. It's a good question, though. Um, I'll give you three principles and then one one kind of personal application. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Christmas um, is absolutely meaningless if we don't have the cross. And so when we think about Christmas and we think about God sent his son, this, this little baby, Jesus, to Mary, um, what we're stepping into in that moment is the beginning of a chapter in human history that's the epicenter of all of human history. This is the moment. This is the thing that from the fall of Adam, the sin of Eve, from that moment, this is, this is the redemptive chapter where we or something special is about to happen in history itself. And so here's the thing. If, if Jesus grows up, uh, goes to the cross, dies, and doesn't resurrect from the dead, the manger is just some poor girl's story where she couldn't get into the end and she had her baby. And, and But it, the manger loses all of its meaning if Jesus isn't actually who he says he is. And so as a church leader, we have to keep the first thing, the primary thing first, which is we're here to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus. And so Christmas is the anthem, the beginning of that good news that God has sent his son to be with us. And so here, here are kind of your, your three principles. One, it's a historical event. Um, and so we tie ourselves as pastors to the reality that God orchestrated human history to culminate in the birth of Christ. And there's so many little ways you can kind of nuance that out. Like, for example, if if Caesar doesn't actually order the census in the year that he does, um, and God doesn't ordain the birth of Christ, how does Mary get to Bethlehem to fulfill the scriptures that that's where Christ is going to be born? Uh, God raised up a ruler in Caesar to enact something as simple as a policy as we're going to count all the people in all the Roman world which causes Joseph to take his pregnant wife to Bethlehem. Uh, so Jesus is born on an actual day in an actual place and is seen by actual people. He's not, he's not a story. He's a moment in history. He's a historical figure. And so that history centers around our need for a savior. Um, the verse, I think, which is most important in the whole narrative of, of Jesus's birth is in Matthew when the angel talks to Joseph. And he says, Joseph, you're going to name him Jesus. And he is going to save his people from what? Their sin. Um, Christmas has to be about a realization that we need a Savior. We 100% need a Savior. So how do we back that out? So, so, here, so that's kind of the backdrop, is that Jesus is the Savior. If I'm getting bored with Christmas... Or if I'm getting kind of caught up in the things of Christmas and I'm getting lost in the fact that this is my savior, there's a good chance I'm being led by my sin and not by the cross. Wow. You know? And so where 
how do I put it? I, if you focus on the cross, the manger becomes magnificent. If you just focus on the season and on the events, the manger becomes an event. Um, but it's not an event. It's a person. It's this personal little baby who comes to die for you. And so first things first, pastors, leaders, are you sitting with God? Are you sitting under his word? And you're saying, Lord, I want you to get into my heart. I, I want to be changed. I, it's not about how many people show up. It's about whether or not I exalt Christ in my heart first, right? And so if you're not actually coming to the Lord in a place of repentance, if you're not saying, oh, my gosh, if Jesus doesn't come, I don't have a shot at getting to the Father. Um, if that's not the starting place for leadership, we're going to miss the whole point of the event, which is this missional proclamation that God sends the Savior, right? Um, and so that, from a pastoral perspective, that, that's kind of a first approach is, man, this is the this is the epicenter of human history. God sent a Savior. Two, that Savior was for me and for you and for the church. And so it's very personal. Um, and then now as a dad, What's really fascinating to me is I get to be this tour guide to that story. You know, that like Tucker's first impression of God is going to be how crazy excited I am about the fact that I have a savior, you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. and it just kind of like a weird analogy. When I was growing up, I, uh, I got into baseball. I was, a mm -hmm. I played T-ball. Then I got into, you know, basic league, advanced league, whatever, uh, why did I become a baseball player and not a hockey player? Uh, it was because at a, as a three-year-old, my dad was playing pickup softball leagues with his work. And then when I turned five, I discovered this like box full of trophies that he had won as a kid. And then he would tell me stories about how awesome baseball was. And he took me to an Orioles game when we lived in Dallas. Like he made baseball a part of my life. And so I transitioned into baseball and not hockey. And so when I'm thinking about Christmas, the first question is, if I didn't have any kids, if I didn't have a church, if I didn't have, if I didn't have a group of people that were leading me, let's say Christmas didn't even exist. What would you be doing if you knew Jesus's birthday was coming up on a personal level? What would you do? And that's what, that's what our people witness, you know? That's so true. I mean, I need to get me myself one of overlays with the mic drop. <laughs> instead of confetti <laughs> that is so good because yes i think um you know we that is so true and, and it touched me as you were telling it conviction and and confessing our sin and be clear of what jesus is and you know i think also because of this um the cultural undercurrent we just get this image of baby jesus and you know we lose we lose sight of like yeah he died for you that baby right there you know he died for you so we just keep this little mental like oh it's baby jesus and and you know just that part and uh we need to we need to be reminded of that so is there any um any practices besides you know the obvious i would say the the quiet time that you could uh tell us about yeah i'll get i'll, I'll try and just uh, quick throw them out uh, from a creative standpoint as a worship pastor all of my services have to connect those two events because the manger mm -hmm. is insignificant without the resurrection i've got to connect those two 
And so like, for example, in one of our videos during our Christmas Eve festival, uh, we show the manger, but it's got the crown of thorns and the nails in the manger. And so we take those two symbols and we lay them on top of each other. We've got to get the cross and the manger together. And so you can get really creative with that. Think about any sort of display you do in your church. Think about how you're setting up your trees, your lights. Uh, what are you having the kids color? You know, what? how are you telling the story of Jesus? If, if the birth isn't connected to the death, then the birth actually hasn't yet found its significance. Um, the second is there's so many different elements in the story that every year we're just kind of picking different things, you know? And so like last year we focused on the fact that he was a baby, like God sent his son. He humbled himself even unto death, you know, but he, he took on flesh. Like, and so we just focused on the incarnation and we just like, we brainstormed as a team. We said, how, how are we going to make the baby? You know, how are we going to just show people how crazy that is that the word became flesh and dwelt among us? Like that's a wild theological reality. Yeah. Uh, this year we're focusing on the gifts of the Magi that the gold represented his kingship. Uh, the myrrh represented his death, you know, that all these things were tying us to the story. The fact that these wise men were from another nation shows that he's going to be a king that isn't just for Israel. He's a king for the whole world, you know, it's, uh, and that he is king, you know, right? Like, and that kingship means something. And so you can cherry pick out of all the stories and just kind of like, hey, teach your people why these symbols exist in the story. Then on a personal level, I remember when me and Michelle got married, we were like, we didn't do anything. Christmas homes. We went to church, went to like three or four Christmas Eve services. We just bounced around Houston and like, you know, we'd go to Fairfield, we'd go to CUFs like 11 o'clock and like, we'd just go to all of them. And then when my son was born, I realized nothing in my house is telling the story. You know, every Christmas, what we would do is we'd sit down as a married couple and we would read the Christmas story together. That, that's a tradition our family had given to us. And I think it's a good one. So there's one. Read the Bible out loud to your kids. But I'm like, why, why don't we have a nativity scene? You know, what is the nativity scene? How do I get my kids to see that as Christmas comes around, the things we fill our house with, they're not Hallmark decorations, but they're cross-centered, manger-centered. And so this year, Tucker, uh, when we put the tree up, he goes, where's the Christmas star? We've got to have a Christmas star. I'm like, hey, you're starting, you, you picked that up. I, I had totally forgotten that, you know, last year we told you this star signified the birth of Christ. And uh and so all these little things become like your kids are sponges, man. I mean, that's the craziest thing. And they're just, they're watching your relationship. And so we just decided we want to make our home this place that demonstrates almost like a canvas. Can we tell the story here? Would that be a, so those are a few things for sure. Yeah. And nowadays there's so much fun things that you could use like you know i love object lessons so for the longest time i i hadn't found well i did but they were like mega expensive <laughs> the nativity sets that i wanted so i got a uh um what is that the little people i think they're called little people um yeah. nativity said and for the longest time i was using that because it was cute and emma was little and uh you know so you, you like you said you just get creative right and kids, uh, kids are all about consistency we know this as we raise them up i'm going to tell them no ten thousand times i'm also going to tell them good stories ten thousand times yes and so the gospel is all about repetition mm -hmm. and just constantly putting it in front of them over and over and over we do fun stuff too like we'll make a birthday cake for jesus 
and uh, and they get to blow out the candle for him, you know, the night of. Yeah, oh, there's and so many. You know, because there's there's also that concept, right? That Christians are boring. <laughs> I just don't know how you look at the cross and think we can be. It's like I think we just like accept these weird slants against ourselves. It's yeah. like we're telling the most epic story ever. What can we? Do? I know. Yeah, that's so <laughs> incredible. But um, yeah, you're totally right. So my last question will be like. I, and I know that right now you're in a small church and, uh, but how would you, do you do anything that, um, you ministered very purposely to your staff during this time? Yeah. One of the, one of the things we believe at our church is that worship takes time and Christmas is inevitably going to be a time of more work for your, for your volunteers, for your staff. And so one of the things we do is we try and create space for people to have time to worship. Mm. And so uh, what I do with my team is before each season, I usually take them on a retreat. And so I'll, I'll just eat it right out of my budget. I don't want it to cost them a thing. And so we'll go rent the cabin up on Mount Lemon, you know, and, uh, and we'll have a spiritual retreat before we go into a season of serving. Because, you know, Christmas is not an ordinance given us i mean all we have is the Lord's supper and baptism right? right but in the lord's supper it says you do it in a worthy manner and i believe that's how we come to all of our service right and so if christmas is this moment of proclamation you want your volunteers to be in a place of focus rest you want to be unified on what's coming and so a, a spiritual retreat not to brainstorm the season not to figure out ministry goals but to say i'm here to focus on your heart to break you up into groups so you can have time to process, talk, pray, repent, worship, you know, hire some guy to come up and just knock their socks off with the gospel, like, like pour a lot of resources into them. Mm -hmm. um, because where they start from is what they're going to communicate um, to the congregation. And that would be true pastorally to volunteers to, you know, and most of your volunteers, by the way, mm -hmm. they don't, they don't, they are not seen nearly as much as you think you see them. Um, because you're looking at 10, 12 people in a row and they're getting seen once, but you're, you're thinking like, Oh, I looked at 12 different people I made contact with today, right. but each one of those people is getting just a little piece of you. And at a retreat, you really can make people feel loved and seen. You can actually maybe get behind some of the things that they don't talk about. Um, so that's some of what we do. The other thing that we do is I really believe that, uh, if you can financially bless your pastors and this isn't like, not that I need money, but a lot of your volunteers are there and they're giving up their time. And so we always try and give them, yeah, something, something just to love on them, you know. Right. Um, for example, this year, our uh, we, we were blessed. One of our church members just blessed the socks off the church. And we were able to pass that blessing all the way down the staff line, you know. So anyone who's connected to us, like, oh, man, like, let's, we can bless people this year and give them a boost and say, hey, keep, keep going. We want to meet you where you're at. Yes. And, uh, you know, for friends that are watching this or you watch the replay, let us know in the comments that you're watching this replay. And um, the if you're not in a staff in a church, I do also want to, um, you know, uh, add on to that comment that Seth just did, because a lot of us that are not in a church staff, we don't see what pastors go through and all the hours of praying and all the hours of work that they put in 
to ministry minister to a community you know an entire community so that's a lot of work and pray for your pastors pray for for them for their families and love on them and take care of them because they're really doing a, a great job on um you know just guiding us and and teaching us about god's word so just love on them as much as they love you i'll right. tell you you want to actually serve your pastor like just a maniac after his next sermon write down something he said that impacted you and just go tell him yes 99 of what we get in our inboxes are either criticisms or dissension or our, our keyboard warriors coming out to and so if you're actually having you know significant life change brought about by your pastor's preaching or your, your game just go tell him it's such an encouragement yeah. that is uh, you know you just moved something right here because uh, I've been meaning to write an email to our pastor. We just started uh, attending this new church and every single Sunday, I mean, I come out of there like, oh, I'm going to take up on the world, you know, for Jesus because of what my pastor just said. And I just keep postponing it. But you're you're right. I mean, just a note of encouragement. I think it will be a great thing a great way to take care of our pastor so i know you're a super busy man and uh, amazing husband a wonderful parent i could ask you a million questions you know and for people to get to know you but um we're gonna we're getting to our time right here today and i just want to invite our friends to connect with you uh do you want to tell us where your church is and yeah absolutely so we're in Tucson, Arizona, on the east side of the city, uh, Bear Canyon and Tancaverde Road. And uh, we're called the Oasis Church. Uh, we're we're non-denominational non name, but, but you'll find the Southern, uh, we're basically Southern Baptist doctrinally. And so uh, you can reach us, theoasischurch.net. It's a lot of fun. You can listen to our sermons there. Um, if you want to reach out to me personally, you can uh, you can email me, seth at theoasischurch.net. Oh, and, sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, yeah, and either one of those would be great. And uh, we always love connecting with folks. If you're ever in Tucson, if you got family out here, feel free to come join us for a Sunday. Uh, there's a good chance the folks in our church will ask you out to eat and uh, try and figure out who you are. But come and be a part of our family for sure. Yes, and he he's not only uh, an awesome pastor, a husband and a father he's an amazing photographer <laughs> you have to check out his website too he's so talented and you want to book your session if you're around there or if you're in houston we need to just make him stay like for a month to take over all of our families here because it's gonna be a big list but um you're doing a great job <laughs> So check that out too. A lot of really good photographers in Houston too. So if you need one, I can recommend them as well. Yeah. Um, thank you. I'll wait for you. I want my <laughs> picture with you. <laughs> but again, thank you so, so much, friends, for joining us. Let us know in the comments. Reach out to Pastor Sev. And um, also just um, don't forget to love Jesus, obey Jesus, and tell everyone about him. Check out his church and his website. I am very, very thankful for your time and please give all of our love to Michelle and the kids and and we're, uh, you know, 
as much as we're expecting the baby Jesus this December, we're expecting your sweet little girl. It's going to be awesome. Totally late. Oh, yes. Man, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> you are, man, I can see you. You know, you're going to be, you're going to know what it's loving Jesus now. <laughs> with a girl <laughs> I get boys I don't know <laughs> right yeah so I'm the only girl in my family so I have three brothers and uh, you know my dad and they were always like do not touch do not get close do not you know until this day my brothers are very very protective of me and I love that so I can see that she's gonna be a princess a queen <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Seth. Um, and just Merry Christmas to everybody. And we hope that we can connect again. We have to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Awesome. Anytime. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Wasn't that awesome? I particularly love when he said, if we don't focus on the cross, the manger becomes just an event. And another important thing I got from Seth is that idea of being a tour guide for the Christmas story to all of those that are new to it or uh, have never heard the full story before. Pastor Seth really told us how we can love Jesus, obey Jesus, and tell everyone about him. If you want to connect with him and also listen to his preaching and worship, visit his church website. I will put the link on the notes. It's really, really good stuff. So thank you so much for listening. May the Lord bless your home, your table, and your family. May He allow you to focus on the cross to bring beautiful meaning to the manger this Christmas. Merry Christmas, and until next time.